0: Man, turn with me this morning, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17. We're going to be here. We're also going to have uh, uh, read a little bit in Matthew uh, 24. So if you want to put something there, mark your Bible, then that'll be great. And then... Uh, In a little bit, we'll probably be going to the book of Genesis, all right? So i just want to give everybody a heads up. We're going to be in a couple different places, and so hang tight, all right? Now, I have this morning a lot of information that I need to give to you. And uh, there's a reason behind this, and uh, the Lord's put it on my heart. I asked a week or so ago about this message, Uh, and it still revolves around us being prepared. I don't know that, um, well, I do know this, that our world is not ready for Jesus to come back. It's just not ready. And I know that just from recent developments that have taken place, not only in our world, but some of the things that I have looked at, researched, and so on for this message, I I have been completely blown away, completely blown away. And I'm going to show you some of these things in a moment and uh it is uh it's amazing and and one of the reasons that it is so amazing is the fact that we are so close we are so close to the coming of Jesus uh and uh we we need to be ready i'm just I, i'm i'm begging you i'm begging you this morning we need to be ready i uh, I wish that i could I wish that I could get from my heart to yours what God has, has, has put in me for us to be prepared because it is so important. I said this a moment ago that our world was in a mess. How many would agree with me with that? You agree our world's in a mess? You know, uh, our world has become spiritually fragile. With all the things that have developed recently. And I say recently within the last 10 years. I never thought that I would see some of the things. And I know that many of you are the same way. You never thought that you would see some of the things that have developed in the last 10 years that have developed. I never thought we would be at this place where we have to be cautious about certain things that we say. and you know, For fear of, of, for, for fear of getting socially, whatever, you know, kicked out, whatever. I'll be honest with you, I've been kicked off so much, it doesn't even bother me anymore. I, it, it, really, it really doesn't bother me. I'm not going to apologize for the Word of God. And you see, this, this is where the issue lies, is that we come into a state in our society where everybody has to apologize for everything that they've done. And we don't need to worry about those things. Okay? All right. Hang on. I just need everybody's attention. Just hang on. You know, um, all right. I got everybody? All right. I just want to make sure I got everybody. All right. Things things are being taken care of. You know, some, sometimes that, that, that we, need, we need to take care of those things. That sometimes some things can be a little bit of a hindrance. That's okay, because obviously the devil doesn't want this message to be preached today. I'm going to try my best. And with all the information I have you, I'm going to try to do it in a timely manner. If not, you just hang on. You won't starve to death. If you get hungry, put a mint in your mouth, all right? All right. All right, I'll throw some water at you. I'm not going to baptize you, but I'll throw some water at you, all right? Uh, Anyway, uh, so there's new ideas. There's all kinds of new ideas about the afterlife. Because I did a little bit of research on this. You know, and I'm like, what are people thinking about the afterlife? You know, some people don't think that we have an afterlife. There's a philosophy that exists in our world that when we die, we just cease to exist. Then there are those who think and teach that we're reincarnated into something else. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be nothing else. I, you know, and they say it's like, don't believe this lie about the karma stuff. The good karma, the bad karma and all that stuff. No, no, no. Get that mess out of your mind. You know, if you do something bad, you're going to come back like a, you know, a fly. If you do something good, you'll come back as some, you know, supreme king of something. I don't know. You know, maybe king of the termites. I don't know. That was terrible, wasn't it? Uh, All that stuff is complete garbage. You know, I thought I'd get a little bit stronger amen on that. Okay. Do you believe you'll come back as something else? Does anybody in here believe that? If you do, I want to refute that. If, if you think that you when you die you just cease to exist, I want to refute that as well. And here's why. Because we have a Bible. We have God's Word that teaches us completely otherwise. Now, there are some who are going to argue, well, what makes that the authority? Well, God makes that the authority. And so it's important that we understand some truths And the point to all of this is this fact. That there's coming a day, and we're there now, in which Jesus talks about it. He talks about it at the same time, but in two locations here, in Luke and in Matthew. So I I, want to read these verses of Scripture. uh, And I want to share some thoughts with you. So you're in Luke, first of all. Luke chapter 17, verse number 26, notice what the Bible says. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. That's not a bad thing, by the way. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. There is a good side to the marriage thing. Can I get a witness on that? Yes. All right, men and ladies bow. There, there, also, there also can be a not so good thing, and we won't even go there. Turn with me to Matthew if you would. I'm not here to deal with that. I've got to get to this content, all right? Matthew chapter number 24. I want to read these verses of Scripture to you. A couple more verses added in here. Verse number 36. I think I put 35 on the screen, but let's go to verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. Matthew 24, 36. But of that day an hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And knew not until the flood came took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Our Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. I ask you, Lord, that you would cleanse me of sin. Pray you'd fill me afresh with your spirit. May only say what's needed and necessary to make an impact on hearts and lives today. May your word do a great work in our midst today, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to bring you a message on uh, this morning entitled, As It Was in the Days of Noah. What does that entail? Now, we're given a little bit of information in Genesis, and we'll go there in a little bit, but I, I want to bring everybody up to speed on current things that are going on right now that parallel with those days of Noah. You know that there are some people that don't believe in the afterlife, I mentioned that at the beginning. There are some who think that, uh, again, we just don't exist or we incarnate, reincarnate to something else. Uh, let me give you a piece of information, and I quote this, all right? Uh, don't put that quote up yet. Hang on, all right? Because I have a first part I'm going to read, then I'm going to hit you with this one, all right? Here's the first part of the quote There is a concept called biological immortality. In some of the species, do you ever understand what biological immortality means? Immortality means that you will not die. Okay, alright, so hang on. So, immortality, you will not die. So, there is a, 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 a thing now called biological immortality. For example, there is a specific jellyfish species that's considered biologically Immortal. They can revert back to their juvenile young forms after reaching maturity, potentially allowing them to bypass death from old age. All right. Now, if you didn't understand that, let me just kind of explain it to you, all right? So they're saying there's a jellyfish, a certain specific species of jellyfish that can revert back to its juvenile days. Anybody want to go back to adolescence? I don't know why a jellyfish would. All right. Now, here's the quote. Put it up on the screen for me. For humans to become immortal will require many scientific advancements, and the longevity industry is rapidly progressing in this direction. This and a lot of other misconcepts. are being cultivated to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to destroy truth. Because that is not, I repeat, that is not what this Bible teaches. Now, now, why am I saying this, and why am I giving you this, and that? how does it relate to the days of Noah? <laughs> it relates, it parallels greatly with the days of Noah. Because there was, there was deception uh, you know, on their minds. There was no concept of God whatsoever. They refused to acknowledge God in Noah's day. Do we remember what Genesis 6 tells us? For, for man's imagination, the imagination of his thoughts was only wicked continually. I, I have to say this, this is a, this is a wicked concept. To think that somebody, some scientist, can take an advanced man to an immortal state. Science cannot make you immortal. The only thing that causes or creates immortality in us is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that would cause us to live forever. The Apostle Paul talked about in that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. This mortal body shall take on immortality. This, these bodies of ours, they, they will become new. Praise God for that. All right, and, and when Jesus comes back in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. Amen for all of those things. Science is not what we need. We need a Savior. Interesting. True Christianity is being attacked daily. Do you think that Noah was attacked? Now, there, there, there was not an, a, a necessarily a, 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 a weapon of some sort that was attacking Noah, but Noah was still attacked. They refused to believe Noah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to Noah. They, they, they wouldn't adhere to the truth that Noah was presenting to them. And, and therefore, there were, there were verbal attacks upon him. I personally believe, I think, maybe, just maybe, it's not recorded in Scripture, but this is the, just the kind of an idea of mine. I think maybe Noah was physically attacked at some point in time, and, and, and he, he continued to preach. He continued to deliver the message that God wanted him to deliver. But true Christianity is being attacked not only physically today in numerous ways and in numerous countries a lot of Muslim countries but it is psychologically being attacked. Christianity is psychologically being attacked today more than you ever realize. Did you know that Satan is attacking you from a psychological standpoint to twist your mind and twist your thinking to take you away from God and away from the word of God so that you won't believe God. We're in those days right now. The media takes Christianity and tries to discredit all, all that Jesus has done. Christianity has become foreign, a foreign thought to, to them, as Satan has blinded their minds. Are, are y'all seeing this as well? Do y'all see this, what I'm telling you this morning? I, I'm not telling you anything new. I'm not telling you uh, I, I didn't have uh, you know an enlightenment this week about these. These are things that we all know and recognize, and sometimes we just need to, it needs to be emphasized sometimes that this is what's happening in our world today. And I'll be honest with you, we're not ready. We ain't ready to meet Jesus. Not like this. You know there are some who refuse to see that Christianity is being attacked. Listen to this. I read this quote and I'm like, I mean I almost started crying because of what I read. Listen to this. There's another quote for you. Essentially, if they don't get their way, they are under attack. That's, just, that's what they mean by Christianity. It, they're, they're refuting that Christianity is being attacked. In other words, if, if we don't get our way about, uh, let's see here, let's, let's name a couple of things, about the gender issue, about homosexuality, about abortion, about any of those things, if we don't get our way, then they're saying we're being attacked. That's this concept. No, no, no. No, what, what's happening is that they're attacking the truth of God's words, what it is. It's not, it's, it, and, and, and what we believe. We believe what the Bible says, amen? Okay, if we believe what the Bible says, then anything that is contrary to what the Bible says is an attack on the authority of God. Watch this now. Look at this. Christianity isn't under attack. It's just not the norm anymore. Freedom and liberty... And the ability to make your own choice is. Now, what's wrong with that statement? That last quotation, last part of that quote. Christianity is not under attack. What is under attack, Christianity is not the norm anymore, okay? But what is under attack is our freedom and liberty to make the choices that we want to make. In other words, you live however you want to. However you please, make all the decisions you want to make for yourself just so that you can be happy. Help my time. I said that slow so everybody can understand me. As it was in the days of Noah, what was going on then, what's going on now? There's so many similarities between the two. Again, these things are not new. Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The comparisons, there are some comparisons with Noah's day and our day that I want to help us understand. i got three of them. I'm going to try to do them very quickly. As it was in the days of Noah. Number one, we have spiritual decline. Does everybody understand what I mean by spiritual decline? The faith that had been given to Adam, let's, let's, let's draw the parallel here. The faith that had been given, given to Adam and that, they, that had, it had all but disappeared in Noah's day. Everybody else, where, where are they at? They're not there helping Noah build in heart. They're not there even listening to Noah as he preached the message that judgment was coming. Where are they at? They're living it up. They don't have anything at all to do with God. So there, there are two lines, two two family trees that are there in Genesis four and five. The first one is that of Cain. In fact, I'm going to turn there and read it to you real quick. Genesis chapter number four. You may turn there if you'd like. Genesis chapter number four. Watch this now. Listen to this. In uh, beginning with verse number. Uh, Verse number 16. The Bible says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived to bear Enoch. Not the same Enoch as in chapter 5. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And uh, unto Enoch was born Irad. And Irad beget Mahagiel, And Mahagiel beget Methusiel. And Methusiel beget Lamech. Now watch what Lamech does. And Lamech in verse 19 took unto him two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of such that handle the harp and organ. And Zillah also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor and artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Namah. And Lamech said unto his wives. "What Do y'all see anything developing here in the life and the lineage of Cain? I just got one question. Where's God? Watch what happens now. Look at this. Verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adam and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken to my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and young man unto my herd. If Cain should be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. He followed in his father's footsteps. Who was it that he killed? The name is not given, the identity is unknown. But it is obvious it had to be a blood relative. There was no one else. The, the, the lineage on the earth was, was, was uh, very small, all right? We have this lineage of Canaan, and we have a problem. There is great spiritual decline. And you see in some of the names, just a couple of the names, where the the name ends in E-L. This is actually an an abbreviated form of the the divine title given to God, Elohim. They tried to keep God in, but they slowly moved God completely out of their lives. They didn't want anything to do with God. And you see here that they were only concerned uh, about a couple of things. They emphasized the pleasures They built cities they, they were concerned with the arts Okay, Listen, there's nothing wrong with music I love music, I love singing I love good banjo picking And guitar picking and horn blowing And fiddle playing and all that I love it all However When it exceeds The measure of which We are here for worship It becomes a problem Or when it is the focal point of everything. Cain's descendants, they were city builders, inventors, pioneers of advancing technology and civilization and all of those things. Now, again, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, the, the the arts and music are wonderful things and and, and play an important role in, in society and in our worship and so on. Don't misunderstand me, please. But the focal point doesn't need to be those things. The focal point needs to be the Word of God. The focal point needs to be the message of God. The focal point needs to be Jesus who is our Savior. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? What I'm saying is that it has become the focal point so much so that it has, it has caused a spiritual decline among churches in America. Not just in America, but across the world. I see it. You see it. It's very obvious. We're in the days of Noah where spiritual decline is more prevalent than anything else. What about Seth's line? I told you there was two lines. One was Cain, the other was Seth in Seth's lineage the number of believers uh, I'm sorry it it was exactly opposite the love for God remained strong generation after generation after generation you can read Seth's line in chapter number 5 of the book of Genesis we get down to a fellow by the name of Enoch and the Bible says that he was not for God took him Hebrews says he had this testimony that he pleased God that's the kind of testimony that's the kind of lineage that's the kind of heritage that we need in these days uh, in these days Uh, not a spirit Decline. We don't need to leave God out of our lives and out of our families. We need God in our families and we need God in our lives more than ever. In Noah's day, the number of believers was a huge minority compared to the population, and they had the tendency to refer to the Lord uh, in a very generic way as opposed to a personal way. And so as a result of that, God became less important. Uh, let me ask you this question. Do you hear people referring to God as creator? I've heard this in prayers before. Our creator. Now let me ask you a question. Is that how Jesus told us to address, our, address God? No, no. He said, when you pray, you say, our Father which art in heaven. So when a person addresses God, the supreme being of the world in that way, it puts a little bit, cast a little bit of doubt if they even know him or not. Because if you know him as your father, you're going to address him as your father. Is everybody understanding? Are you understanding me on that one? If I'm going to address my father, I don't call him by his first name. I don't call my dad, my name's, my, my dad's name is Joe Haskett. I don't call him up and say, hey Joe, how you doing today? Huh? I know the first words come out of his mouth, what's wrong with you? You never call me by your, my first name. I call him Dad. He's my father. I don't call him up and say, hey creator of Ray Haskett, how are you today? That's equally as foolish. All right, y'all with me on that? All right, no, no, when I, I call him dad, when I, when I pray to my father, I'm praying to my father in heaven. The, the, the problem in those days, in Noah's day, they were addressing him very generically. We have that same equal addressing God in a very generic way. Listen, he is not the man upstairs. That irritates me more than anything. Mm, I want to I want to do something really bad when somebody refers to my father as the man upstairs. He is not that at all. He is my father. He is my God. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. Amen. Amen. I'm getting old enough where I don't care. Just in case y'all hadn't noticed. When we search for something spiritual, where do we go? Thank you, thank you. We go to this book, amen. We go to the Bible and we seek God in prayer, etc. Now the search is for this. I looked this up. I was astounded. I was so astounded. I said, what is the, I asked Google, and y'all know Google always tells the truth. I'm sorry. I had to spit them words back out. All right. I did do a search. And I said, "What is the most, the most uh, searched spiritual, um, most things searched spiritual?" I think that's how I put it. You ready for this? Psychics, metaphysics, astrology, and a whole bunch of other garbage. So then I asked this: I said, Who are the most spiritually influential people in the world today? I got 65. Really? 65. Listen to this. This is gonna blow your mind. And let, let me, let me, I need to, I need to preface it by saying, I love every woman in this building. My mama is a woman, praise Jesus, my wife is a woman, she's right there, I love her, okay, but listen, God has a divine order, everybody understand me, listen, this, and I'm not being disrespectful at all to women, God has a divine order, but out of the 65 most influential, spiritually influential people, only 14 of them were men, and they were questionable, Let me ask you a question: Are we in a spiritual decline? Yes. Billy Graham didn't even make the top seventy. I was shocked. I thought I would at least see him or, you know, some, some of the other mainstream. No, they 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 weren't even they weren't even there. I, I got. I got so beside myself, I said, I've got to cut this off. And, And you would be, if you read some of the bios of some of them, I read a few of the bios and it was absolutely horrifying. As these are spiritual influencers of today. What I'm saying is that simply this, we're in a state of spiritual decline, which is exactly what was happening in the days of Noah. Let me give you this statistic. In 1965, 70% of people said that religion was important. 70%. Today, that number is 49%. And 25%, it's not important at all. Why is that so important? It's important because of the next point that I'm going to share with you. Remember those numbers, if you would. All right? Number two, not only are we in spiritual decline, but number two, we're in a social dilemma. Right now, we're in a severe social dilemma. What do you mean by that? I mean by that, that um, there's an increase in population. And as the population of the world increases, there is also the increase of satanic operation. Everybody with me? Now, as the, as the population increases, crime and corruption increases. Hmm. In Noah's day, what happened? The population increased. They embraced the idea of permissiveness, doing things their own way. There were no restraints. Everyone's lifestyle was accepted and it became worse and worse and worse. We read that in Genesis chapter number 6. It, those words that I gave to you are not specifically there. But if you look at it, you study it, we learn that that is exactly what was happening in that day. We're, we're, listen, listen to me. This is going to blow your mind. We are actually running out of the capacity on the surface of the earth to house or to maintain the population of the earth. Now, if this doesn't kind of get you thinking... I looked at it last night. I looked at this last night. I thought, you know, a few months ago and and in really a few months ago we were over 7 billion people. You know what we are now? 8.1 billion people on the earth as of January 2024. In July of 7, July 7th 18, I'm sorry 1986, the world's population reached 5 billion. 2005, it was 6.5 billion. Today, 8.1 billion people. Average births: 260 births per minute. That's an average. That's an average more than four per second. Four births per second. And there are 106 deaths per minute, which is almost two. Per second. Now we've been in the service almost an hour. How many people have been born? And how many people have died? There actually is, you can look this up, there's actually a world birth clock. I sat there and I watched it for about five minutes and I seen boom, boom, boom. There was one actually there's two of them there's two different ones and there there's one that shows what country they were born in and it has a little baby pops up and it says the greeting like if it's an american it says hello if it's uh if it's a latino or spanish it says hola if it was russian it said privet yeah that's hi by the way Uh, Yeah, it popped up. The, the, The one that did the most was India. India is the most populated nation in the world right now. China, China, India, they're like neck and neck. America is number three. And we're way behind them as far as population is concerned. So what are you saying, preacher? We're in a social dilemma with this many people in the world. Let me ask you a question. How much of the gospel is being spread to 8 billion people in the world? Out of those those 260 that were born in the last minute that I spoke to you, and when I first gave you this, it was four minutes ago. So four times, let's just say 300. That's 1,200 babies born in the last four minutes. Who's giving them the gospel? We're in a social dilemma. Number three, I'm going to give you this when I'm done. There is shameless depravity. Shameless depravity. I read this verse a moment ago in 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 Genesis four nineteen, where Lamech he threw the traditional family values away by number one having two wives, secondly by murder. (laughs) A growing listen. There's a growing philosophy in a moral issue. Whenever you comes when it comes down a time for you to make a decision. And this is called like situation ethics. I know it was kind of a, uh, an old school, a few years ago kind of thing, but it's still prevalent today. They just changed the name of it. So whatever situation you're in, if it's a moral issue, whatever fits best for you, then go ahead and do it. It'll be okay. Uh, my friend, that is not what the Word of God teaches us. It's not what God's told us in His Word. We're, we're living in a society right now uh, uh, that's in, in a dilemma. We're, we're in a shameless, depraved state right now because people do not care what they do when it comes to the sinful behavior. Just don't care. I, I did read something else. I'm trying to do this from memory. I thought about it a moment ago. I didn't print it off. But there was an atheist who had a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross, a very cruel depiction of Him. And it said this, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't don't have it in front of me and I know that I can't quote it accurately. Why would God crucify someone to require the forgiveness of sins when all He had to do was forgive anyway? And an atheist made that statement. Sounds wonderful on the surface, doesn't it? If you think about it carefully, you they're missing the entire point because sinfulness creates a problem. Sinfulness is a problem that is worldwide. Sinfulness is a problem that is personal to every person in this room because every person in this room is sinful. And we are depraved because we are born in sin. David said in sin did my mother conceive me. So that means my friend that you are a sinner. I am a sinner. And the only means by which we can escape the punishment of hell is to accept the the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sin that God has offered for us. The only way. Was it necessary Jesus died? Well, he didn't have to, but he did out of love. So the atheist also said this, and you call him a God of love by sending his own son to die. Yes, I do. Because his son died for me. And his son died for you. As it was in the days of Noah, we are there now. We are experiencing these problems. And I think it is very obvious to see the spiritual decline. It's obvious to see now, maybe... Maybe you wasn't aware of some of the things. And I know I gave you just a little tidbit of information about the social dilemma. And of course we could go to many other avenues when it comes to social dilemma. You know, our world is socially messed up. And that's being nice. We are spiritually, we are shamelessly depraved. Did you know this? Uh. This one just really boils my blood. The UK, the United Kingdom, the Methodist Church in the United Kingdom put out a statement. These are the guidelines. Avoid hurtful language like husband and wife. I got a wife right here. She's my wife. I'm always going to call her my wife. I love her always as my wife. I'm going to kiss her on the head because she's my wife. I just scared her. Amen. 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 All right. Shameless depravity we're living in right now. A lot of the public school systems are embracing two things that are very, very dangerous. One of them is Marxism, and the other one is the occult. Do you understand what either one of those things are? Marxism is nothing more than a, a, another word for a communism. Marxist movement and the communist movement is being embraced in the United States of America. Along with the occult. The occult is satanic worship Witchcraft, Wiccan, Wiccan, and all of that stuff. We had better be ready. Because Jesus is coming. As it was in the days of Noah, we're there. In Noah's day, you know, there was some devotion in the world. The percentages are very Minuscule. When I say minuscule, look at the number of people in this church today or maybe even listening online compared to 8.1 billion people. What are the percentages? Way, way less than maybe 0.1%. Let's take all the churches. Yes, some devotion in the world, but God warned, sudden destruction is coming judgment's coming. I'm just saying we better be ready because Jesus is coming soon. Our Father, we love you. We thank you so very much for your blessings, your goodness, your kindness to us. I pray, Lord, that you would take this thought, the message today that you have put on my heart. Lord, I pray that it be used to bring glory in your name. Lord, I pray that you help us to be more prepared than ever before for your soon return. Father, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. If there's anybody here today that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the difference. Father, would you, your Holy Spirit, do a work in their heart. May we see the, the need of Jesus In our lives, in their lives. Lord, open our eyes to the truth. We've been warned in Scripture over and over and over again. That you're coming back. And the more that you prolong that, the more that you delay that, the more obvious it is. We see it more so. As it was in the days of Noah. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. With our heads still bowed and eyes closed this moment, Miss Debbie's going to play as she begins to play when she's ready. I am wondering this morning, look, all I can do is deliver the message. I've done my part. Now the Holy Spirit works in your heart to do His part. And as the Holy Spirit does His part and works in your heart, then what God expects you to do, that's on you. That's up to you. I can only invite you, but let me ask you this question. How many today would raise a hand, just just say, Preacher, the Lord spoke to my heart some way. There's something that touched my heart about this whole thing about the days of Noah. The Lord spoke to my heart. Would you raise a hand? Would you raise a hand? All right. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now I want you to do something. If God spoke to your heart, I want you to take some time right now. The altar is open. I want you, I'd, I'd like—I'd love for you to come. There's no place like gathering around the altar and praying. As God is moved in your heart today. Would you do that? Right now. Some are making their way. That's it. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't be fearful not here to hurt you in any way we're here to be a help to you we want you to be ready for the coming of Jesus we can see things as they have as they've been developing over years and years of time how that, that God has, has told us in his word these things were coming, these things are, are here now 40, 50 years ago men were preaching that Jesus was coming back well, he, He's delayed His coming. Maybe just waiting on you for, for that moment that you would trust Him. Are you ready? With that being said, let me ask you this question. How many here today would raise a hand and say, Pastor? You can can say this with confidence. If something happened to me and I were to die next week or Jesus were to come next week, I know I'd go to heaven. Can you raise your hand? I know that, preacher. I have no doubts in my heart. I know I'd go to heaven. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Let me ask you this question. Is there anybody here today that would raise a hand, be honest with me and say, Pastor, If something happened to me and I died next week or Jesus were to come back, I'm just not sure that I'd go to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. You know, when a person dies, there's one of two places they go. One's heaven, the other one is hell. You don't want to go to hell, my friend. It's an awful, terrible, terrible, terrible place. But maybe you're here today and say, preacher, preacher, something happened to me and I died, I'm not sure about heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell, would you pray for me? Just, Just slip a hand up, right straight up, right back down. Please just pray for me. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I won't do any of those things. I sincerely want to pray for you because I'm concerned about your soul and your eternity. When you die, you won't just go into nothing. You will go somewhere, heaven or hell. Anybody at all, would you raise a hand? Pray for me, preacher. I just don't know. I just don't know. For those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in today. Our prayer has been that we can be a help to you, an encouragement to be ready, but also to be aware that Jesus is coming soon. If we can be a help to you, there's some information on the screen that will be. you can reach out to us and we'll be... Glad to get back with you promptly. Thank you so much for watching.